Hey, shalom, 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 family. Welcome back to another episode of the Daily Bread Podcast. We just want to greet you, welcome you guys, wherever you tuning in from, and say good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good day, good night. So wherever you guys listening from, we thank you guys for joining us. We welcome you guys to join us, and uh, we say thank you for tuning in to the Daily Bread Podcast, where we read the word of Yahuwah daily. The Daily Bread Podcast is presented to you guys by Living for Yahuwah Ministries, and I am your host, Dollar Yahoo Yasharal, your brother. And uh, we get to read another chapter, family. That's what we do. Um, yeah, man, just want to... Before we start, just send out blessings, encouragement, and just a zeal for life, happiness, and life. Like, I just hope you guys starting your day off as good as I am. And uh, I feel good right now. Just woke up and uh, went through my little pre-recording routine and uh, feel good. I'm so glad to be recording another episode. I feel so grateful, so humble, so lucky to be alive. And um, yeah, man. Glad again, glad you guys can join me, and uh, I hope you feel the same way. So today we're tuning in to continue our reading from the scroll of Uyakura, commonly called Leviticus, and today we are reading chapter 14. Yes, and uh, I think it's a good one, very informative, family. So uh, stay tuned to the end where we will summarize and um, just. Um, how can we say? We're going to summarize everything we learned and just really highlight the key points of this lesson and things you can take away. So stick around for that. But before we do start reading and we get into the chapter, we're going to do our normal method of operation, our order of operation, which is to, before we start reading, I'm going to give you guys a short recap so that if this is your first time listening, you have you know, some type of understanding of where we are in Torah, where we are in scripture, and you get some context before we jump in. And then we can pray, open up in prayer, clear our hearts, clear our minds so that we can receive the word. And then we can get into this chapter 14, which we look and do promptly. It looks like a lot of information. So that's why we will be sure to digest the information at the end and just have a little short summary. And so we can talk about how this relates to us today, the relevance, and so on and so forth. So, welcome back, family. Thanks for coming. And uh, let's get right into it. So, first things first, the infamous recap. And uh, what I'm going to say, I think I'm going to change it up a little bit. And all I'm going to say is that I'm going to talk about the book of Uyakura. And uh, it's a special book, and that's where we are now. It's the third book chronologically from the beginning. So we read Genesis, which is the first book of the scripture, and it talks about creation and uh, just understanding what righteousness is. Um, it gives us an example of a few righteous individuals that Yahuwah actually, um, that were important because Yahuwah spoke to them and he came to them, but he came to them because it was righteous. So we encourage you guys to just check out all the chapters and the episodes related to the book of Genesis. It's filled with information. And uh, you should just know that that is the foundational book in the Torah and in the whole scriptures. And you should check it out. 
after the book of Genesis, we read the book of Exodus. And uh, again, all the left episodes are listed here on the Daily Bread Podcast and um, ordered chronologically for your reference. But Exodus was one of the most famous and iconic books in scripture because we started out that book as a family of people, family of Yasharal, Abraham's children. We start that book in slavery, a harsh, bitter bondage under Pharaoh and the Egyptians, and they persecuted our people very severely. And um, we see the pattern that continued with the Most High raising up righteous individuals, delivering them, um, coming to them, making covenants with them. And it was the same for the man Moses, who was isolated, and Yahuwah called him out to um, come to him on this set-apart mountain. And he made a promise to him that he would bring back all the children of Yasharal and worship him on that same mountain. So that is the, the covenant or the promise that led to Moses being able to go to Pharaoh and tell Pharaoh, let my people go, the ten plagues, Passover, and all the events that happened since. And it's important to remember as a Hebrew culture, almost everything we do, all of the appointed times and feast days are fixed around the events that took place in Exodus. And um, Passover, it is the beginning of our year. As a matter of fact, the time which we go out, the time we went out from Passover, the springtime, is the time that kings went out to war. It's the time that it's an iconic time. It's already a, a important time, springtime, but it is basically the time that the Hebrew calendar revolves around. You know what happened with Passover is something that the Most High told us to always remember. And it's a memorial for us. So all of those things in the actual places where they written, in the accounts where they actually took place, and the details and nuances about that can be found in the chapter, book of Exodus, and the chapters therein, and it's all documented already. So at this point, now that we almost halfway through the third book, I think it's time for us to, as a recap, really focus on focusing on this book. The book of Uyakura and Leviticus, as it's commonly called, and uh, we take it from there. So as far as the recap, we starting right here because the other chapters are indexed and archived. But Leviticus, to help you understand that, as we jump into, as we continue our reading there and continue jumping jump in the place where we left off, it's important that we understand that now we are a nation. You know, when you came to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. And Noah, we were individual people, all of, although from the same lineage, same bloodline. But now, the family of Abraham, the father of many nations, he has one son that was chosen, that was Isaac. And from Isaac, his son that was chosen was Yasharal, Israel, or commonly called Jacob. So, these individuals have collectively continued to reproduce, and the Most High has chosen their seed. Now, we're not talking about the individual anymore, we're talking about the nation of Yasharal. And Yahuwah, again, through Moses, who is still alive at this time, and Moses' his brother Aharon, the Levitical family, the family of the Levites, are being taken as Yahuwah's chosen people, as the, 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 the chosen tribe of the chosen people, to be specifically the ones who are intercessors with the Most High, as they serve Him in His temple, in His meeting place, in the place where His presence dwells, so to speak, on earth. As they serve him in his temple, they are the intercessors and mediators between all the rest of the 11 tribes, the, the nation of Yasharal, and by extension, the rest of the world to 
the Father. They are the intercessors between Yahuwah and everybody else, but specifically the twelve, the other eleven tribes of Yasharah. So the book of Uyakarah and Leviticus. Now we honing in on the methods of operation of the priesthood. So this book is like again one of them. I said it before in the previous chapter. One of the most underrated, but this one is the one therein lies the crux or the the meat and potatoes of all the law you know some law statues are given to us in exodus you know the chapter 20 is iconic the 10 commandments chapter 34 talking about the feast day but all these things are glossed over in more detail in the book of uyakura or leviticus and this is specifically for the priests how they were to make their offerings what time to make them what parts to use how to put the fat Everything that was specific to what the priesthood was actually doing like walking out on a day-to-day -day basis is in this book And pretty much all of the commandments are listed in this book So it's a very iconic book very important. So um, Right now, you know, we in we in the part where it's talking about clean and unclean and uh, we have went over clean and unclean foods clean and unclean people um, Men and women how, how they made unclean how to be clean so again, this is just the uh, priest handbook, the book of Leviticus Oyakura. So uh, appreciate you guys for tuning in, for staying with us, because as somebody has read scripture through and through, like multiple times, we know that the the level of um, I want to say authority, but it just gives us a level level of understanding. The most high ways that's very important right and it's a high level of understanding when you've read the whole thing through and through but we know most people haven't read the scripture all the way through and we know for a fact in christianity you know most people that walk around with the bible we're just saying christians because that's the major religion that uses this, the scriptures but um not uh, talk about anyone specifically because you know there's a lot of people with good hearts but what we know it's most of these people that claim to believe in the Bible never read it. And what the fact I'm getting at is the fact that when they do read it, things like genealogy, things like the intricacies of the law, things like um, the chronic, 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 chronologically chronicles, or you know the historical events are the things that absolutely get glossed over. People skip it like they playing hip hop, skip hop. hop. Like they playing hopscotch. People skip over genealogies. People skip over the the intricate intricacies of the law. Like we reading right here in Leviticus or Uyakura. So it's just commendable that everybody would um just continue to digest the law in bite-sized pieces as it comes, as Yahuwah is given to us. We're not skipping over anything. And actually we're taking our time and slowing down over these parts because they are the most important. Absolutely. Um, and just understanding the law, what he considers clean, what he considers unclean, how to come in his presence, how not to come in his presence, how to rectify ourselves if we are unclean, because anybody can become unclean. Uh, having children can make you unclean. So it's important that, you know, just understand the intricacies, the nuances of Torah. So that was my recap, family, but really focusing in the, on the book we read in the Levitical priesthood, the, the book of Leviticus, the ins and outs of the law. Uh, I just encourage you guys to just pay extra close attention. If you have never read this book, if you're confused about anything you read in the book, you know, just take it slow. Continue to understand that this is the starting point of our research and not the end all be all. So 
that's the recap family we just want to remind everybody that right now we in we in the mud we in some of the most important texts that's literally in the whole book the whole all the scrolls the, the scroll of the priest is some of the most because this is literally the people that are playing Allahim they are playing the intercessor right now we have an intercessor in heaven the Mashiach but everything they did on earth was uh, for a symbolic and significant purpose and it's so important we understand it as Bible believers when we talk about spiritual warfare is no spiritual warfare without understanding the, the carnal or the um, the physical uh, ramifications of the actions we take so yeah I don't want to overemphasize it but just to let you guys know it's a very important book appreciate you guys walking through it with us taking it slow and let's continue to do that so with that said with that said we go into prayer so prayer is very important it's something I'm always excited about especially after giving the recap because we talk about the Allahim we serve and how his power his majesty what he did for Aharon and Moshe and what he do for Abraham and Isaac Jacob and we get this mention that it's the same one we get to pray to so it's a, a honor for us an honor for me to share the word with you but again I'm gonna just finish on this last note when I say you know the Most High has been highlighting to me recently the importance of spiritual warfare. Um, you know, individuals just being attacked, just like like you say, sheep's it's just sheep. There's like animals that's just we just like domesticated animals that's over uh, un, that's under an overseer or a shepherd. But sometimes we all get lost in the pack and we get attacked by animal, by unclean spirit, by parasites, by ticks and fleas, and it's the same with. The most high's people who are just out here lost and maybe not knowing the word so much, not knowing how to use their spiritual weapons so much, and they get attacked by unbelievers, by unclean spirits, and things like that. So, knowing that and seeing that, we know that prayer is important, fasting is important, our spiritual weapons of warfare are very important. But it's, we can't use them if we're not understanding the physical and understanding the implications of things we do. So, the point is. Prayer is a very important. That's our most powerful weapon. So understanding prayer is important. So after reading about, talking about the priesthood and everything like that, it's very important. We take it serious going into prayer and just continue to develop our prayer life and uh, our relationship with the Father. So um, excited. It's my pleasure to be able to uh, lead prayer. So it's a very important thing. So let's pray, family. Um, and then we can get into this chapter of Uyakura, commonly called Leviticus. So, again, we pray according to the Hebrew custom. We like to stand and we pray, if possible. We like to face the direction of Jerusalem, whatever that, whichever direction that may be for you. It may be east for most people in the United States, but talking to people in different parts of the world, somebody may be praying facing toward the west, or my example, person facing praying toward the north. So, uh, face the direction of the temple, lift your hands, open your palms, and let's make supplication to the Allahim of heaven. And it goes something like this, family. Baruch Atah, Yahuwah, Allahinu, Hamalat Ulam. Our Father who is in the heavens, permit your name to be set apart. Permit your reign to come, or your kingdom to come. And permit your desire to be done on earth as it is in heaven. Hallelujah. You all, we come before you today. 
with humble hearts, asking, praying, making supplication that you please give us this day our daily bread. And with that, we mean sustain us, you will, like only you can. You know what we need and we ask you for our daily provisions. Hallelujah. We also pray and ask that you forgive us for our sins and our transgressions against your Torah and against your commands as we forgive our dead doors. Uh, and also as we forgive those who trespass against us, we ask that you forgive us for our sins. Most importantly, we ask that you allow us not to be led into trial, but save us and deliver us from the wicked one. For yours is the reign, the power and the esteem now and forever. You know, and uh, these things and more, Yahuwah, we pray in the name of our Mashiach and Sovereign, Yahusha. Hallelujah, Yahuwah. Hallelujah. Tudah, Yahuwah. Yabadakat, Yahuwah. Blessed be Yahuwah. Blessed Yahuwah. Blessed Yahuwah. Yabadakat, Yahuwah. Amen. So be it. So, hallelujah. Thank you, family, for uh, praying with us, for joining us in that short prayer. And, uh, so with that said, we are finished. Yeah. Housekeeping uh, uh, procedure, our steps. Before we read, did the recap, pray. Now, if you can, let's open up our books to Leviticus Uyakra chapter 14. And uh, yeah, again, like I said in the recap, this we right in the middle of the purity laws or the statutes for cleanness, uncleanness. And this is so important again. Again, this would have been the priest's manual for his uh, method of operation and uh, dissemination of the Torah and judgment of all Yahuwah's people and the foreigners. So this is very important. So let's get into it and see what the word Yahuwah is saying. From this point on, we want to try our best to let the word speak. And uh, I'm gonna interject if I have to, if something needs to be clarified. But mostly, I will try to. Um, just let the word of Yahuwah speak. So, chapter 14, verse 1. And Yahuwah spoke to Mashah, saying, This will be the Torah of the leper for the day of his cleansing. He will be brought to the priest. And just like I said, this is the priest's handbook right now. Verse 3. And the priest will go out of the camp, and the priest will look and see if the leprosy is healed in the leper. Verse 4. Then the priest will command, and he will take for him who is to be cleansed two live and clean birds, and cedar wood, and scarlet, and hyssop. And the priest will command, and he will slay one of the birds in the earthen vessel over running water. Very intricate process, family, and it's very important to pay attention because this process he's given us now for the cleansing of the leper is unlike any of the other processes we have read up until this point. So verse 6, let him take the live bird and see the wood and the scarlet and the hyssop and dip them and the live bird and the blood of the bird that was slain over the running water. Okay, so we got blood mixed with water in the earthen vessel that we killed the first bird in and we're going to dip everything else, including the second bird, in the blood and water mixture of the first bird. So very intricate recipe, man, for cleansing. And it's like, it's from Elohim, so it's it's good, right? Very intricate. So, verse 7, it says, And he will sprinkle it seven times on him, as who, on him who is to be cleansed from leprosy, and will pronounce him clean. 
and will let the live bird loose in the open field. Hallelujah. So we got one bird being released. He releasing the dove. Peace, peace. And so that's a very iconic process. We see that certain times, certain memories, certain events. People want to release animals, release a dove, pigeon, however you want to call it. Most likely that's what they were using, a dove, pigeon, which is a clean animal. And an animal that's fit for sacrifice. So um, very interesting to see the scriptural roots of that um, practice. Verse 8. And he who is to be cleansed will wash his garments and will shave off all his hair and wash himself in water and will be clean. Then after that he comes into the camp but will stay outside his tent seven days. Mm, it's an interesting process of, of a lot of sevens. So we have to sprinkle the water and blood on the person seven times. They got to stay another seven days outside their tent after they allowed to come into the city. So remember, a leper was not allowed into the city. The set-apart place, nowhere near the temple or around the set-apart people who are clean. If they pronounce unclean, they have to be outside the gates of the city, so to speak, or the boundaries of the camp, whatever it may be. Even if it's Jerusalem, the set-apart city, they outside. But once they clean, they can come inside. But it's still another process where they have to stay outside their tent for seven days. So it's like a slowly introducing them back into society and even back into their own living spaces. So just to clarify what, what we're reading, or at least how I'm understanding it. And very interesting. Verse 9. And on the seventh day, it will be that he shaves off all the hair of his head and his beard and his eyebrows. Even all the hair, even all his hair he shaves off. Very interesting. And he will wash his garments and wash his body in water and will be, hallelujah, clean. Verse 10. And on the eighth day, he takes two male lambs, perfect ones, and one ewe lamb, or I think that's female lamb, a year old, a perfect one. And three tenths of an fine flour mixed with oil as a grain offering, and one log of oil. Very substantial offering he had to bring to be cleansed. Not just two male lambs, but a female lamb, a lot of oil, a lot of flour. Okay. Verse 11. And the priest who is cleansing will present the man who is to be cleansed with these offerings before Yahuwah at the door of the tenth appointment or the tenth meeting. Verse 12. And the priest will take one male lamb and bring it as a guilt offering. We went over the guilt offering. And a log of oil and wave them as a wave offering before Yahuwah. Hallelujah. Verse 13. And he will slay the lamb in the place where he slays the sin offering. And the ascending offering in a set apart place. For the guilt offering. Like the sin offering belongs to the priest. It is most set apart. So we see a part of these offerings that the person who was to be cleansed was bringing. A part of the offering went to the priest. Okay. This is the priest's handbook. And we're pretty sure the priest highlighted that part. He get a portion of the offering. Because that's who was portion to give to him. Very interesting. This whole thing is so very interesting. Verse 14, family. I hope y'all stay with me. Please, I need y'all to stay with me. Because it's... Reading the Torah is tough. Reading the law is tough. But reading Leviticus is like the highest order. Like this is not for everybody. This is for the people that really want to be tuned in with Elohim, his law, and his ways of clean and unclean. Stick with me. Verse 14, family. 
and the priest will take some of the blood of the guilt offering okay that the person who is to be cleansed just bought and the priest will put it on the tip of the right ear of him who is to be cleansed and on the thumb of his right hand and on the big toe of his right foot and the priest will take some of the log of oil and pour it into the palm of his own left hand verse 16 and the priest will dip his right finger in the oil that is on that is in his left hand and will sprinkle some of the oil with his finger seven times before Yahuwah another seven another seven this is a great topic when we say what you think about the episode if anybody could give us a good idea or just tell us your best guess what do you think seven represents what do you think the sevens are for why does he choose to do it seven times and this is a question you can answer on any chapter under any chapter any episode anytime you feel like you get the answer tell us what do you think the sevens why seven why seven family that's the question why seven Verse 17. Okay, okay. And the rest of the oil in his hand, the priest put some of uh, some on the tip of the right ear of him who is to be cleansed, and on the right thumb of his right hand, and on the big toe of his right foot, on the blood of the guilt offering. Wow. So you gotta put the blood on the right hand, right feet, right this, and then you gotta put the oil on the right hand, right feet, right elbow. Interesting. Verse 18. And the rest of the oil that is in the priest's hand, he puts on the head of him who is to be cleansed. And the priest will make atonement for him before Yahuwah. And the priest will make the sin offering and make atonement for him who is to be cleansed from his uncleanness. Then afterward he slays the ascending offering. Mm. Verse 20. And the priest will offer the ascending offering and the grain offering on the slaughter place. And the priest will make atonement for him. And he will be clean. Hallelujah. Talk about some steps, right? Man, that's some steps. Imagine you ain't the one who had to bring it. You were the one got to do it. So it's like you got the priest had to know this exactly. The steps and the offerings. Sometimes it seems daunting, but people did this every day, all day. So just take a minute and ponder this type of people you was from. The butcher man, the doctor man, priest man, he everything. Allahim got him being everything with the white coat. White linen, we might add. White linen garments. Very interesting. Okay. Verse 21. But if he is poor and is unable to afford it, then he will take one male lamb as a gift offering to be waived to make atonement for him and one tenth of an ephah of fine flour mixed with oil as a grain offering and a log of oil. And two turtle doves or two young pigeons, such as he is able to afford. And one will be a sin offering and the other an ascending offering. And he will bring them to the priest on the eighth day for his cleansing to the door of the tent of appointment before Yahuwah. And the priest will take the lamb of the guilt offering and the log of oil and the priest will wave them as a wave offering before Yahuwah. Verse 25, and he will slay the lamb of the guilt offering and the priest will take some of the blood of the guilt offering and put it on the tip of the right ear of him who is to be cleansed and on the thumb of the, his right hand and on the big toe of his right foot. Okay. Verse 26, then the priest pours some of the oil into the palm of his own left hand. 
and the priest will sprinkle with his right finger some of the oil that is in his left hand seven times before you hold. And the priest will put some of the oil that is in his hand on the tip of the right ear of him who is to be cleansed and on the thumb of the right hand and on the big toe of his right foot and on the place of the blood of the guilt offering. Verse 29. And the rest of the oil that is in the priest's hand he puts on the head of him who is to be cleansed to make atonement for him before Yahuwah. Hallelujah. If you follow me, can I get a hallelujah? Drop a seven in the chat if you're with me. Yes, sir. And the rest of the oil that is in the priest's hand he puts on the head of him who is to be cleansed to make atonement for him before you. Verse 30. And he will prepare one of the turtle doves or young pigeons such as he is able to afford that which he is able to afford the one as a sin offering and the other as an ascending offering with the grain offering and the priest will make atonement for him who is to be cleansed before Yahuwah. verse 32 this is the Torah for one who had an infection of leprosy who was unable to afford for his cleansing verse 33 and Yahuwah spoke to Mashah and to Aharon saying when you come into the land of Canaan, Canaan, which I am giving to you as a possession, and I put a plague of leprosy in a house in the land of your possession, then will the one who owns the house come and inform the priest, saying, It seems to me that there is some plague in the house. Okay, so that's very interesting. If you got plague in the house, leprosy in the house, you come to the priest the same way, and the priest will cleanse the house as well. Verse 36, and the priest will command, and they will empty the house before the priest goes in to look at the plague, so that all that is in the house is not made unclean. And after that, the priest goes in to look at the house, and he will look at the plague and see if the plague is on the walls of the house with sunken places, greenish or reddish, which appear to be deep in the wall. Then the priest will go out of the house. Okay, verse 38. Verse, the people go out of the house to the door of the house and shut up the house seven days. Another seven, family. Verse 39. And the priest will come again on the seventh day and look and see if the plague has spread on the walls of the house. Then the priest will command and they will remove the stones with the plague in them. And they will throw them outside the city into an unclean place. While he lets the house be scraped inside all around. And all the dust that they scrape off the house will pour out into an unclean place outside the city. And they will take other stones and put them in the place of the stone, of those stones. And take other mortar and plaster the house. Verse 43. And if the plague comes back. And breaks out in the house after he has removed the stones and after he has scraped the house and after it is plastered. Verse 44. Then the priest will come and look and see if the plague has spread in the house. It is an active plague, an active leprosy in the house. It is unclean. The house is unclean. Unclean, unclean. Verse 45. And he will break down the house, its stones and its timber and all the plaster of the house. And he will bring them outside the city to an unclean place. And he who goes into the house 
all the days while it is shut up becomes unclean until evening. And he who lies down in the house has to wash his garments. He who eats in the house has to wash his garments. Verse 48. However, if the priest indeed comes in and looks at it and sees that the plague has not spread in the house after the house was plastered, then the priest will pronounce the house clean because the plague is healed. So it's two possible scenarios if the house has mold or what the scriptures call leprosy. Uh, it can either be repaired, the affected area taken out and it repaired, and we wait and it, it will either be spread and it's still unclean or it will have not spread and not returned and the house will be declared clean. So very um, up and down process, very straightforward. The plague is here. Verse 49. And to cleanse the house, he will take two birds and see the wood and scarlet and hyssop. And he will slay one of the birds in an earthen vessel over running water. Very interesting process. Very interesting. Because <laughs> you don't see this process with any other cleansing. How the animal is cleansed. He killed over running water. It's very interesting. Verse 51. And he will take the cedar wood and the hyssop and the scarlet and the live bird. And dip them in the blood of the slain bird and in the running water. And will sprinkle the house seven times. Another seven family. He will thus cleanse the house with the blood of the bird and the running water and the live bird and with the cedar wood and with the hyssop and with the scarlet. Verse 53. And he will let the live bird loose outside the city in the open field and will make atonement for the house and it will be clean. This is the Torah for any infection of leprosy and eruption and for leprosy of a garment and of a house. And for a swelling and for a scab and for a bright spot. Listen, verse 57. To teach when it is unclean and when it is clean. This is, family, the Torah or the teaching or the instruction of Allahim for or of leprosy. This is the Torah, the instruction of leprosy. Mm-mm-mm. It was a very long chapter. A lot of details, a lot of explanations, a lot of steps to follow. Thank you guys for staying with us as we uh, read the word of Yahuwah. Thank you for just being honorable, right? For listening all the way through, for reading all the way through. Um, the word of Yahuwah definitely deserves our attention. So uh, thank you for sticking with me through that chapter, that long chapter. So. What can we take away from that? I think what we can gather is just like uh, the 11th chapter said when he gave us the law of clean and unclean. Yahuwah said, he made a statement at the end. He said, I am Yahuwah, your Elohim, who am set apart. And I want you to be set apart. So being set apart, commonly called holy, is no small thing. It's a very important thing to Elohim. And it should be important to us. And Yahuwah, I see Yahuwah is giving us every measure, every possible scenario of where we can become unclean. And He's giving us the remedy to be clean. So we always ceremonially clean before Him, to come before Him in prayer, in our feast days, on our Shabbats, on our appointed time, in the gathering of His people. We, we have no excuse to come unclean because we know the remedy to be clean. Most times we have to wash in water 
and whatever the affected item is needs to be washed in water and purified but we see that what we can gather what we can see from these chocolates anything can be made unclean whether it's a, a stove some stuff like you was telling the Vilicus 11 stove or cooking range but this chocolate specifically whether it's a house in previous chocolates whether it's a, a garment of leather or any garment anything can be made unclean but he's given us the remedy to make it clean and it's just very important because he is set apart he is clean obviously and he wants us to be clean so I think it's just very important and uh, as we live these things out and as we walk it out as we read it we see the more of these scenarios play out in front of us and we see the, the scenario positioned to us where we the priests we the ones who know exactly what to do and we have to do it and this whole situation remind me of a house I built I built the house in uh, South America and uh, it was a cabana or a cabin and it was wood on the ceilings and cedar uh, temp panels timber panels and uh, timber ceilings and whatever that is you know it was wood on the roof and it was an incident where it was a leak the roof wasn't it wasn't done properly and it was mold growing in the house and in a situation where the house had leprosy just like we read about and we see how it can happen and uh, it had to be pronounced unclean it was pronounced unclean and we had to go through similar steps to, to rectify to justify take everything out obviously the issue had to be fixed what was causing the unclean the leak and uh, yeah so these things are really it's really real these scenarios we still face today and they just show us the scripture gives us every possible scenario and the scenarios we are still seeing today so this stuff is not old it's not done away with all of these things are very very much still relevant especially the part about us being clean and unclean and our diets and our homes and just everything around us so you who are giving us all the tools we need to to be set apart so we pray that uh, the message not falling on deaf ears so I'm just glad that you who woke me up and showed me these things and gave me a heart to discern and understand and we just pray that we continue to share the message and the message is going out to those who are of similar mindsets right because the word of you who is very valid is very um relevant and you know again we have a lot of a huge body of people telling us that these things located in this part of the torah is not relevant it's done away with and it, we have no need to read it and it couldn't be further from the truth so we just invite you guys to continue to meditate on the word of Yahuwah pray and fast ask Yahuwah to reveal more to you to, to, to speak to you to show you your purpose in life whatever it may be that you're seeking ask Allahim and uh, until the next chapter family we say Shalom um, again we encourage you guys to follow the podcast become a follower you can do that click the follow button so you notify every time we drop another episode encourage you guys to interact with us in the question and answer segment again this time what what is the significance of the seven we have so many sevens and we know we rest on the seventh day you who rested on the seventh day he made everything in six days rest on the seventh day from there the pattern of the seven was was initiated but it was already in existence so what's the, it's the significance if you know if you can tell please share it with us so interact with us in the question and answer segment uh, feel free to follow us on social media connect with us we are that's why we're here and uh, if you feel led to support the ministry you can become a patron and uh, again we say shalom shalom until the next chapter family we say shalom see you in the next chapter
Have a great day.